Yo, and welcome to the LOP Show. This is... Leadership on Purpose. Leadership on Purpose. I am Blake Bozarth, and this is my daughter... Blake. Blakely is helping us with the intro today. We have another amazing guest for you guys, Alan Barnhart of Barnhart Crane. He has one of the more unbelievable business stories that I think you could ever hear. And I don't mean that with hyperbole. I'm extremely inspired by it. I think he will be as well. And he tells the story of how over 20 years ago, he reluctantly with his brother took over a very small family business and decided at that point in time, they would limit their income to a very conservative amount, not allow their standard of living to go up if the business were to actually flourish and grow. Fast forward, they've held their part of that deal and limited their income its entire time. Meanwhile, that business has grown into a $600 million revenue business over nearly 2,000 employees. And last year alone, they gave away $35 million to the kingdom of God and for advancing and helping people all across the globe. And it's just an extremely inspiring story of generosity and being purpose-driven in your work and in your leadership. You're also going to get some great leadership nuggets in this episode. And he talks about how people are really the product. And yes, they're in the crane business, but Life change is what they care about. And their own people is who they, who they are trying to serve, their own employees. That's who they're serving and trying to give them a place where they have a leader that they work for, that they really love and appreciate and respect, and they're being developed and poured into. He also talks about a concept of work and how you can actually redefine what work really is for your people and the good that comes from it. And I think you're going to appreciate the nuggets that he shares, guys. And if you get value from this episode, what do we ask you to do? Be a river, not a reservoir. Who could you share it with that could also get value from it as well? And without further ado, let's jump into the show. All right. Welcome back to Leadership on Purpose. We are so excited to have Alan Barnhart as our guest today. Alan, welcome to the show. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks. We're going to hit you with our patent question, and that is, if you could tell us a little bit about you and your career, whatever you want to share, a little career flyover, and then whatever you want to share on the personal side, in 60 seconds. We'll give you some more time after that, but what's your 60-second spiel? 60 seconds. Okay. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm the husband of Catherine. I'm the father of Nicholas, Nathan, Janie, uh, Kepler, Mora, and Noah. And I have a very boring resume. I've worked in the same company since I was 10 years old. And uh, I've been the CEO since 1986. Same work, same wife, same family, kind of a boring life. But it's been really exciting. (laughs) Hey, that is too good. That was too good. Too succinct. I love love that phrase, a boring life that's super exciting. That's that's, that's awesome. There's something to dive into there for sure. Hey, so you have... A compelling story, Alan. Can you tell us a little bit about the, I guess, the origin of you stepping in to the company? I know it's a family business. And just share, share what was that process like for you and your wife to make that decision? And if you could share just kind of what's been unique about the way you've approached business at, at Barnhart Crane. Great. Yeah, I was, um, I grew up in a family. My parents started a business when I was about eight years old. And, uh, I went off to college and studied engineering. I'd worked every summer and a lot of weekends and I basically just didn't ever have another job. And I got out of college and I was trying to decide. People were telling me, I grew a lot in my faith in college. 
And people were saying, you know, you ought to go to seminary or go on Young Life staff or do something significant with your life. And uh, and I, I prayed about that, you know, go into full-time ministry. And I prayed about that. And I, I came to the conclusion that all of us are in full-time ministry. You know, all of us who are followers of Jesus should be sharing our, our skills and our gifts, should be deploying them into his service. But I felt God had gifted me more in the area of business and engineering than he had in, in uh, preaching or, or some of the more um, ministry-oriented gifts. So I felt like my full-time ministry was in, in work. And so I, I came back to Memphis and started working in the family business. It was, again, very small. Two bedrooms of our home were the international corporate headquarters. My mom did all the books. Dad you know, ran the business. Um, we had about maybe six employees at that point. And uh, so I, I decided, though, that I would read through the scriptures to see what it had to say about money and giving and uh, business. And, and the Bible said a lot. There were thousands of verses. And so I'm an engineer. I'm cataloging these verses, trying to figure out what, what is God saying? Um, and, and I came away with two primary takeaways. And, and the first one was the concept of stewardship, that everything I have has come from God. Um, everything I am has come from God and belongs to God. And I'm not an owner of my stuff. I'm a steward and I need to figure out what God wants me to do with his stuff and uh, both his skills and whatever finances I have. And the second may surprise you. The second was I had a fear that business success could be detrimental to my life. Um, there were so many warnings in scripture. Jesus warned 10 times more about money than anything else. And, uh, you know, there's warnings like, you know, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the guy that had the bigger, built the bigger barns and could retire early and God called him a fool. And, and, uh, you can't serve God and money and don't store up treasure for yourself on earth. And on and on the stories went. Um, and, and I, I came to the conclusion that this whole thing about money is dangerous and that business success will be more dangerous than business failure. Um, and so I, those were the things in my mind, um, over a couple of years and about two years in, my parents came to us and said, we've decided we're going to leave the company. And we're going to get on a sailboat and sail around the world. And we're going to be gone for several years. And, and uh, at that point, my wife and I were thinking about taking time um, away from the company to go on the mission field. We were going to go to Saudi Arabia as sort of undercover missionaries. And I uh, had planned to do that and started preparing for that. And, uh, and then my parents came to us and we had a decision to make. Do we go on the mission field? If we did, they were going to just sell the company. And, or do we... Uh, do we stay? And he said, you can start your own business. And, and, uh, you know, some of these Christian things that you're interested in, my folks had not grown, they weren't Christians as I was growing up. They had both come to faith fairly recently, you know, right around the time they left. Um, but anyway, we, we, my brother and I started talking about becoming partners and so thankful that God had given us those, those scriptures, and those warnings before we did, um, because we, it caused us to put some safeguards in our life before we decided to become partners. And the two safeguards were, one was we, we settled the whole idea of ownership and basically said, God owns this company. Technically, my brother and I each owned half, but this is God's company. Everything we have belongs to God, including this company. So, so, so Eric and Catherine and his wife all together prayed and agreed to that. And the second one was, 
to avoid some of the pitfalls of wealth, we're going to put a cap on our lifestyle. We're going to live a certain lifestyle. If God chooses to prosper the business, we're not going to see that as a call to increase our lifestyle. Instead, we're going to see it as an opportunity to use those funds to help others. And so we, we decided to do that again, committed to that before we became partners. And, uh, and with that commitment, we went ahead and set up and started our own company. Um, again, very small. I think by this time we were going to be up to about eight or nine employees and, uh, and we started into business and, uh, what we were pretty amazed that the first year we actually made some money and we had decided we would give away 50% of our income each year. And so the first year we, um, we weren't sure if we'd even survive the first year. It was a mom and pop business and mom and pop left. And I'm a 25 year old kid and working hundred hours a week, trying to make this thing go and running cranes during the day and, and doing the books at night. And it was a crazy year of, uh, first year of business, but we made some money and, um, we, we decided to give away 50% of our profits each year. And we, we had $50,000 and we, um, got together as a group and, and distributed that. So that was kind of the start of the business. That's, that, that's amazing. And so maybe walk us through Alan, what, what's it looked like since then, because just to start that way. And, and I, I think you, even with the, your initial employees, you, you, you sat them down and said, Hey, this is, this is what we're doing, right. As, as a, as a quote unquote ownership team, this is the way we're approaching it. And what was it like, I guess, getting people that was, that weren't family, I guess, what was it like getting them bought into this concept and this crazy, this crazy idea? Yeah. A whole bunch of people were not particularly bought in. They weren't believers. A lot of our employees are not, um, but we had, there was another couple that were believers. And so we invited them. There was six of us that got together and prayed and said, God, what do you want us to do with your money? And, uh, and so that was sort of the start of that. And we decided that giving as a group was a really good thing to avoid some of the emotional elements of giving or some of the, the pride elements. And so from then on, we did all of our giving as a group and, uh, and continue to do that to this day. Hmm. One of the things that as I'm just listening to your story and listening to how you, how y'all laid the foundation of the business focused in, in, in generosity and giving back to others. And, and ultimately I know building what you call, what you talked about as the kingdom economy. Um, can you talk a little bit about just what that's done for maybe your employees in terms of, I know, and how you've structured getting them involved as y'all have continued to grow? Because when we talk to, talent today and companies today and leaders today, most people want to be involved in an organization that has purpose and they can contribute to that purpose. And when I hear your focus on generosity, to me, that is the ultimate purpose, which is let's use our profits and deploy it in a way that makes the world better. And I know y'all have continued to involve employees as you've grown the business. So tell me a little bit about just what that process looks like today as you deploy capital into the kingdom economy. Great. Let me go back a little bit to tell you our purpose is to glorify God by, by developing people and uh, equipping them to use their skills and gifts in his service in three ways, constructive work, personal witness, and ministry funding. 
So we do see sending out money as a significant element, but also doing good work, we think is a positive thing that brings God glory. Coming up with a good strategy or creating a new tool, to me, is just as glorifying God as writing a cool song or I think using our skills and gifts in his service is, is a great thing. So people in our company, we want them to be engaged in what we're doing in work. Um, those who are believers, we want them to be engaged in sharing their faith. And then um, a, a smaller group, a group that wants to, we want them to be engaged in helping us figure out how to distribute the dollars. So um, everybody in the company, uh, we, we encourage to distribute some and then Everywhere we have a branch, we want the people in that branch to, to get engaged with ministries, both that are helping their employees, their team, but also that are helping the communities that we're in. But then the, the major dollars for us go internationally, and, and that's a smaller group that we call Grove, and it's about 60 to 70 people that are on teams that are trying to figure out how to deploy significant dollars internationally. And those are all employees or spouses of employees. That's amazing. And uh, just to think of the impact that you've had year after year, that first year that you started that you were surprised you made money. And then mm -hmm. every year since then, I know you're, you're very humble, Alan, but it, it's a, been a very successful company. And, and I know that you credit the Lord for that, for that blessing on your company, but just the amount of, of kingdom impact that uh, you've been able to steward through, through this, it's pretty, pretty incredible. So thanks for sharing that. You also talk about this concept of work, but a lot of people today, it's like, how, what can we do to avoid work? Yeah. You mentioned that, Hey, the reward for, for good work is actually more work. Can you talk to us about that? And what is your concept when it comes to work? Yeah. I mean, I like coming to work. I don't think work is a necessary evil. I think God gave us work before the fall. I think work is part of the good stuff in life. And I encourage people, if you're, if you're like, thank God it's Friday and oh crud, it's Monday, go find something that you like to do. Work, you do too much, you spend too much of your time at work to not enjoy it. Work needs to be, God didn't design work to just wear us down or make us, you know, just, it's not, wasn't misery. Um, it, it, it's to build us up. It gives us dignity. And I think, uh, I think people need Jesus and a job and people that have a good job, I think, um, it, it helps their life be good, and the, including a bunch of non-believers. I think for a lot of the guys in our company, their work is one of the best things going in their life, and they are accomplishing things. They're developing. Um, so I, I, I don't think that work is a necessary evil. I think it's uh, one of the gifts of God. I had one of my dear friends and mentors who may be listening to this, Kenny Buckman, I uh, heard you speak one time and heard that phrase, Jesus and a job, and that inspired him. He's a very successful businessman. God used him in a lot of ways, but it inspired him on starting a mission-driven staffing company um, that's, mm. that, that's been extremely successful over the last seven to 10 years. Chad, I'll cool. let you jump in. Yeah, you, you talked about how for some people at your, in your organization, sometimes their work is what is the most positive thing in their life right now because they're developing, they're growing, all those types of things. And I know you're passionate about people as your product. And what, what I mean by that is, is pe when people come to work at your organization, it's not just about them producing value for the organization. It's actually about their life changing, their life growing. 
Can you tell me a little bit about some of the, maybe the frameworks or how you approach that from a leadership perspective and, and how you cultivate life change in your employees and what that does ultimately for your talent and retention and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think each person has a bit of a different need, but we're, we're constantly wanting to develop people. And we see that, as you mentioned, we see that as a product of our business, not just as a strategy. Um, if, if we develop a person and change their life, um, and they go work somewhere else, the ripple goes with them. And it's a product of what we have done. You know, we, we take a lot of our money and send it out to organizations that are changing lives. And we want to do that ourselves too. We don't want to sub it all out. We want to do some of it in-house. And, uh, so we do things like we, we use WildSpark, which is a leadership development program. Um, we do, uh, leadership cohorts. We do, um, more than anything, though, we try to give people good bosses that, that develop them. And it doesn't matter all that much about what I think if their boss is a jerk. And so we would say we owe everybody a good boss that's going to give them purpose and dignity and, and ability to progress. Um, and so we do some, some programmatic things um, in terms of leadership development. But I think main thing is we give people opportunities and keep pushing them to the next level. And, uh, and that helps them develop. And, uh, we insist on servant leadership and, um, that's a hard concept for some people, including some believers. Um, we've had some very successful people, um, financially in our company that were running branches that were doing very well. And we had to let them go because they just couldn't grasp the concept of servant leadership. And, um, we want every leader to be serving those that, that, uh, work in their, in their sphere. And, and, uh, so that's one that we think is, is critical to developing people is that the, the person that, that they report to is serving them and wants to make their life better. Um, so there's prog programmatic things, you know, like WildSpark and like the cohorts and, and, lot of training sessions that we do. Um, but I think the main thing is the day-to-day -day, who you're working with and do they care about you and are they developing you? So doing check-ins and, um, things like that. That's so good. And we, we see that in the work that we do so much of, of, of an individual success at an organization comes down to that direct hiring manager. Hmm so much of it because it's your day-to-day -day and, yeah. and helping them, helping those hiring managers understand the types of individuals who are on their team and how to meet them where they are. It's absolutely critical. So I love that you highlight that and you call that out and y'all are investing in that as well. You may have heard this before, Alan, but to that point, we, we spend about 90,000 hours of our lives at work. And if you think about that, for a lot of people, that's the, it can be the majority of our waking adult existence, at least, um, is spent at work. And for leaders, so if you're listening to this, hearing hearing what what Alan's saying in terms of the significance of people being the product, no matter what service, what no matter what uh, business industry you're in, thinking of your people as as the product, that's that's the significance that we get to have as leaders is, Hey, I get to have an impact on another human's life and maybe even soul <laughs> and, and the trajectory of their family. And so like the experience that I can give them and the way that I lead them 
and and the way that I serve them as 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 a leader, it can have a ripple effect in their life, but also in the the lives of the of the people that they're around. Amen. I mean, people are eternal, and and all this equipment we have and stuff, it's just it's just stuff, and it's gonna wear out and go away. People are gonna be around forever, and and uh, and we God allows us to be part of their part of His plan in their life. What a what an honor. Amen. So let me ask you this, um, in terms of uh, speaking of people and talent, it's, it's a tough labor market, especially in the industry that you are in. How have you guys gone about winning, winning talent still and finding the right folks in this sort of labor market? Um, it's, it's a constant struggle, but it has been for 40 years and, and I think it will continue to be. I think people are attracted by other good people. And so I think 80% probably of the people we hire are referrals um, that were recruited by another team member. And so that's a, a big part of it for us. I think um, they're also attracted by purpose. And I think the whole concept of giving back is appropriate, is, is attractive. Even for non-believers, it's attractive. Um, so I think that's maybe a little bit part of the secret sauce. Um, and we work hard. I mean, we do a lot of recruiting and we, uh, we try to have compensation structures that reward people for staying and mm -hmm. for being really good. Um, and so, um, there's a, that's part of the fun of business is trying to be good and, and win. Um, and so, and when you're, when you're on a team that's winning a lot, it's more fun and, uh, you don't want to get traded to the team at the bottom of the seller. So we, we stress safety a lot. We, we, uh, um, and we just care about people and, and that is, um, that sets us apart from a lot of other companies. And so it's, uh, um, we, we, I wouldn't say that it, that it's not a problem. It constantly something we have to push is how do we find the talent? We, we hire a lot of people that are not part of our industry. We mm -hmm. hire a lot of people that have no experience and we take, we try to give them a, an entry level position. Um, and help them learn. And if they're the right kind of person, then, uh, you know, some of those people have been with us for 30 years. They started when they were four, you know, 16 or 18. Um, so we, uh, we want to find good people, develop them and keep them. Mm. That is incredible. We had uh, another guest on the show several episodes ago, Deanne Turner talked about helping companies make the shift from hiring people to selecting talent. It's not just about bodies. But the reality is being able to select talent requires your company to create, become a talent magnet, become yeah. the place that everyone wants to work. And that starts with how you invest in the people that you have today. Mm. And so I love the fact that you hire so many referrals because that is a tell, that is a sign of, of great leadership that people feel cared for and they're developed and they're growing. And it's a place where they can continue to grow and see their, the dreams for their life, you know, achieve there that that work is a vehicle for those things and so i love that and i'd say for, for leaders listening it's 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 everything that you said it's not just one thing there's no silver bullet it is it is it's all the things it's having the brass tack compensation items figured out but most importantly it is making sure people feel cared for and also being creative on who you hire because like you said you hire people that are maybe from other industries or things like that but you're looking at you're looking at values and I'll yeah. it there. I just, I love that, that, that to me was a, 
masterclass on winning in a tough labor market in so many ways. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. And, and I don't want to say that it's all, it all works wonderfully. I mean, we probably about 15% of our, of our uh, people in keeping relatively key positions leave each year. Some of those are retiring, but, uh, you know, so we have to, not only do we have to attract new people for growth, but we also have to replace those that are leaving. And, you know, some, not everyone likes it here. I mean, we, we certainly believe in hard work and, um, some people leave for higher pay other places. And so it's not like everything goes great and everybody loves everything. Um, we have our share of challenges too. I appreciate you sharing that. I, I'm struck also by hearing this of when you invest in the right things. So when you invest in your culture, when you invest in quality leaders, it, it saves you money from a business perspective in so many other ways. So yeah. you're not, you're not incurring the same. So, so even though when you can create that kind of uh, flywheel, like when, like that concept of the winning team, I thought you were going to give me a little dig there with Kentucky and Tennessee football. So <laughs> thanks for sparing <laughs> me. But when you're talking about that winning team, if, if you, if you're investing in the right thing, if you have the right culture, if, if you're running the business the right way, it actually makes everything else so much easier. And, and, and in yeah. this case, we're talking about recruiting and, but even though it's a tough labor market, the fact that you have this unique culture that, that people want to be a part of it, um, it, 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 it greases the wheels a lot, a lot more than, than having a fight upstream. Now, isn't it interesting that, that God's way works, you know, he created us, he knows how we work best. And if, if it, you know, sometimes you want to take shortcuts and move out of that path, but it, from the long term, even the medium term, God's way works. And, and it's a great, God knew what he was talking about and his principles are not a detriment to a a person in business, they are an asset. That'll Amen. preach. That'll preach. And, and it's just the testimony that you're, you're, you're company and your witness of the testimony. Uh, so, Hey, we have a few closing questions. we like to, we like to ask guests before we let you go here, Alan. One of those is if you could sit down and have lunch with anyone past or present, who would that be for you? I think William Wilberforce at, uh, I, I read a book about him and I was so impressed with his story about a guy who God changed his life and he changed the world. And, uh, I, I think he was, I think he's one of the most substantial social reformers of all time. And most people have never heard of him. So if you haven't heard of William Wilberforce, go, go hear his story. It's fascinating. It, uh, this year, this last year, I, I, I hiked the Appalachian trail and, uh, I took his name as my trail name. And so I got to tell his story hundreds of times to, over that four month period of hiking the trail. And, uh, um, it was That's a treat genius. to be able to share. Yeah. That is genius. Yeah. Was it a uh, Eric Metaxas book? Yeah. Oh, he's great. I love that. There's a movie too, by the name the books, amazing grace. And there's a movie about the same name that tell his story. And it just, mm. what an amazing person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to have that, to have that kind of passion for something that you're, that you're fighting for, like, yeah, it, it is, that's an incredible, incredible story. And, and it's slavery in the British empire. I mean, wow. And, and, and talk about swimming upstream. That's what, that's what he was doing. So, yeah. and, and to win, to win the hearts and minds of people, which is what leaders do, right? Leaders, leaders are able to win the hearts and minds of people. It only took to him about that. 50 years, but he got it done. <laughs> 
the good life's work. Good There's life's another work. lesson there. There's another lesson there and just his persistency to do it. I mean, yeah, incredible. Yeah. So another question we have for you is, do you have any personal BHAG, Alan, that you're going after these days, a big, hairy, audacious goal that is significant for you? I really don't. I would say my my small goal right now is to do some writing for my children. Um, that if I got hit by a truck tomorrow, some things, what, what would I want to say to them? And I've heard of other people doing this and I've never pulled it off. And so that's one of my short-term goals is to write some things for my wife and for my children. It's funny, I've done it for the company. I have this thing that I write that's every year that I say, okay, I, I just, I, Alan's dead is my title of the thing. And I, and I kind of give my advice about what they should do. Um, but I haven't done it for my kids or for my wife. So that's my, that's my goal over the next couple of weeks to try to get that done. I love that. That's amazing. We, uh, I, I'm actually about to have my first and I was literally thinking about that, like, no joke yesterday. I'm like, what if I didn't make it until we got our first or whatever? Yeah, Should I write yeah. a letter? So I love that you brought that up. Certainly get a Jeff. will, but but after you get the will, also get some, you know, pass on more than the dollars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> pass on some love and encouragement. That's really good. One of our mutual friends, uh, James Carberry, uh, he actually has done a a podcast for his kids. And so even though he just had his first kid a couple of years ago, a few years ago, he started creating just a little podcast that no one else listens to, but it's him documenting, documenting his life um, and like building his business and just sharing, sharing learnings as he's going along. Um, I thought that was a really cool thing. So I haven't done that yet, but for those listening, you might, that might be something else that you, that you, <laughs> that you are doing. So, Hey, Alan, we really appreciate this. Thanks so much for being on the show. Where could our listeners find you if they wanted to look you up? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Generous Giving has has our story. Um, there's a video. They have a video. And so generousgiving.org, I think. Um, and there's a lot of great stories in there. Uh, our story's in there. And but yeah, so they wanted to hear more of the story. That would be a good place to look. It's a compelling story. Thanks for sharing it. My wife is a big Generous Giving uh, advocate. And, uh, that's how I, that's one of the ways I originally found you. So definitely, definitely look up generous giving and, and check out Alan's story there. It's a compelling video. Thanks so much for being here, Alan. God bless you and the work you continue to do with the team. My pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thing you can do is be a river, not a reservoir. Who could you share this with that can also get value from it as well? Until next time, keep leading on purpose. Peace. Oh. Peace.